Hello, you're listening to Dope Comedians, a podcast about comedians who use weed to help with depression and whatever else is going on in life. Subscribe today to listen to subscriber-only episodes and audio, as well as bonus episodes and clips. To gain full access, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and YouTube Podcasts. Now, let's get at it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Everybody. That's my kitty Noonie, and I'm Marcella Riley, your host, and you're listening to High Hopes. If you want to catch the show live on Instagram, then you can follow us at High Hopes Live. Uh, I also do some music stuff. Uh, if you want to check that out, you can follow me at Cool Black Chick. Enjoy the show. Yeah, we got somebody. Ooh, wee. Hey there. Hey. Oh, we oh. got the cat. <laughs> Noonie coming in for a visit. <laughs> I am so excited to have the guest on today that I have. He is an artist here in LA, and he's also my motherfucking homie. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, John. I'm happy to be here. Are you happy? I'm doing high hopes. You about we to steal my cat. Work. I am. I am. <laughs> I'm taking Noonie home with me. <laughs> She's in his lap. Bastet, if you're seeing this, you know. Hello. I still love you, but you're going to have a friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is your kitty. Yeah, Bastet is my cat. I'm named <laughs> after an Egyptian goddess, so... <laughs> she's got that going for her <laughs> nice 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 um well i i like to let my guests do the honor as far as uh the weed goes um what would you like sir uh, i'm gonna go with uh the indica the indica this, uh, it's either shogun or shotgun here oh what makes more sense um Maybe Shogun. Depends on how dramatic you are about your weed, I guess. <laughs> does, does Shogun... Some people are like, it's a kick in the face. I'm like, that doesn't sound very nice. Like, <laughs> That's what Shogun means? Oh, no. I was thinking oh. Shotgun would be that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And Shogun would be like uh, 
Japanese general, I think, from like the something something period. Oh, this is you're the random facts dude. <laughs> I am. I am the random facts dude. I can uh, pull facts out of my ass, except when it benefits me financially. That's the only time that my knowledge is not consistent. Why can't we do this shit like good for ourselves to make money, right? Like right. Yeah. Yeah. It seems so hard today to, you know, make money and be in a healthy place. And be in a healthy environment. They make it like that, you know? They that's do. on purpose. I yeah. think that's on purpose. Yeah, I think that I agree with the sentiment that goes around sometimes that the the system isn't broken. The system is working exactly as it's designed. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. And that is the problem. I'm going to start up here. Just going to get Noonie's contribution uh, <laughs> off of here. <laughs> I appreciate the thought, Noonie. <laughs> Noonster! Oh, yeah. Tell me what you think about that. Thank I really you, like this. You. This oh. is from a dispensary downtown. I just, it's my Ooh, first time going nice. there. And they take the hit on the taxes. They let you know right up front, like, we ain't going to charge you taxes. It's just oh, like, nice. it's like the nice. normal prices. Yeah, one of my places started off with that and then they dropped mm. off with it. Oh. Yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> but hey, we're all just trying to navigate this crazy new California environment. <laughs> Nah, I'm just bulldozing through it. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a better way to go about it, honestly. It seems like a lot less trouble. Just Is it? <laughs> head down and forward. <laughs> right? It kind of hurts, though. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> what, so what kind of weed do you, you fuck with? Oh, uh, personally, I... Uh, I don't really smoke flour that much at this point. I mostly vaporize concentrates at this point. You know, I think cutting combustion out uh, helps my lungs a bit. And so uh, I will buy like uh, a shatter or live resin mm. and uh, use, uh, it's very similar to like a nicotine vape, mm -hmm. but it just has uh, a metal heating element that, uh, you know, heats it up to just vaporizing and not burning. Oh. And you inhale that and get the desired effect with uh, fewer hits and uh, yeah. it just seems like a more efficient way. Is that the thing I see it. you with all the time? Uh, no, not at work. That's a different, that's into the not fun one. Oh, that's, the <laughs> that's the nicotine one. Okay. That's the crutch, but it got me, it got me off a pack a day. If you think vaping is silly, that's fine. <laughs> it is silly because it's stupid. No, no matter what, but if you're smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, give a vape a try. You'll feel a lot better. <laughs> no joke. All right, there from the man himself, mm -hmm. the vapor, legendary nicotine fiend. <laughs> those who know me. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, so uh, tell me about your. Cause how long have you been doing art? Well, I just uh, started oh, doing art noise? pretty it... recently, and uh, I keep fidgeting. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm a notorious or... fidgeter. Okay, it's me. don't fidget. It's me. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'll tie you down. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me about your art. Oh well, I. Uh, Oh, for a long time, I had kind of subsumed any uh, creative outlet for myself. Mm -hmm. And it was just a few years ago, uh, I started thinking about uh, doing digital painting because uh, a part of it, and I think that maybe it's connected to my anxiety, is that mm. not being able to take a step back and start over was uh, hindering. Mm. And so I started messing around with some free drawing apps on uh, my phone and on a, a tablet that my uh, brother bought me. And uh, it really helps to be able to express myself. Yeah. And uh, I just really love... Uh, 
you know, ugly things can be beautiful. <laughs> and that's uh, a theme in my art is a lot of uh, death and strangeness and that uh, I think everything in this world is beautiful. Mm. It's just beautiful in different ways, mm-hmm. you know, and the, that's just really what it's about. Like, yeah. I, I think that uh, death is an important thing to keep in mind, like memento mori. Uh, remember that you will die. And that, Thanks for reminding uh, me. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, it, it, but it reminds you to live. Yeah, it's that yeah, if yeah. you're feeling stalled or if you're like just can't push through, and I'm not perfect with this at all, but it's something yeah. that I'm trying to put into practice in my life. How did you get to that point where you became appreciative of, it sounds like, like well, life and death, but especially death? Yeah, well, I've, I've always had really morbid fascinations, but uh, I went through a really low mental health period where I had a lot of uh, health issues associated. I had seizures. Mm-hmm. I had uh, a full acute alcohol withdrawal. <sighs> and that, uh, it was bizarre because I am a skeptic. You know, I don't believe in anything supernatural, but the whole thing played out in my perception as a, a, like a morality play on how I was living my life and where it was going to end up. Yeah. And uh, it was that, you know, if you keep self-medicating and drinking like that, you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else. And uh, just recovering from all of that has uh, given me a new push to uh, not only take care of my mental health, but to live my life, to stop like waiting for something to happen and make it happen because it's not going to just happen. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And so (laughs) that's cool. So basically everything that we're about to talk about is what led you to the art that you do. Exactly. It's very deeply tied into it and and just letting go of the fear (laughs) because I I was made fun of a bit when I was in school because I have absolutely terrible handwriting to this day. But uh, I loved drawing back then, too. And uh, they kind of latched onto that and it became associated in my head. So out of fear of judgment or fear of being, you know, silly or too like corny or, you know, a hot topic goth kid with it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's just so much wasted time. I wish I could have come to this realization sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's like super powerful, too. Like. thank you yeah it's uh i'm a new man like i definitely feel uh, very different from the person i was not too long ago yeah you know came at a came at a price but absolutely building my life back up you know yeah that's that's the goal and so you're from la right Mm -hmm. um you grew up where i grew up in glassell park Mm -hmm. and uh northeast like by eagle rock and i went to john marshall high school so public school in L.A., and there was some roughness associated with that, yeah. but not not as bad as a lot of folks. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I never really channeled the art when I was in school either because it was, uh, you know, it's high school and public high school. Yeah. <coughs> it's rough. You know, there's a lot of gossip. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, uh, social clickiness. Yeah. And uh, it made me withdraw partially yeah and yeah i'm glad that it took me long enough to get over it and start you know just being creative and making my own things rather than just like trying to define myself by other people's art and the art that i was interested in yeah because i want to make my own stuff and i think everybody should 
like the the headline on my art page is uh, I want to normalize recreational art. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody should do it. Everybody can do it, and everybody should. It's good for you. Absolutely, I like that. I like that. I'm gonna push for that too because that shit is important. I'm exactly. getting it's what it, makes it, life worth living. Yeah. What's yeah, life yeah. without art? You know, nobody wants nobody wants can that. You, yeah. That's like insect, you know, that's a <laughs> drone in a hive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so in high school, or I guess when did uh, you start reclusing and, and all that stuff? Or when did all that happen? Or what drew you inside? You know, it was probably uh, getting out of school and, uh, you know, the social circles always kind of uh, drift away mm-hmm. and people move and... Uh, it got to the point where I, you know, I realized that uh, you know, I'd been just going out and partying all the time mm-hmm. and you know, making really dumb decisions. And uh, that all just kind of dried up and I was left uh, kind of sitting there going, what happened? Yeah. And so I you know, got a nine to five office job in a cubicle <laughs> and I absolutely hated it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. We'll get we'll get there <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to go there. Um, so when did you you were because you don't seem like party dude, like all that stuff. But you went there like that was. that Yeah. Place. Yeah. That was my thing for a good long while. <laughs> when did that start? Uh, that was starting probably when I was about 16. Mm. You know, I think a, a large part of my uh experimentation and stuff throughout the years is uh, self-medicating for underlying issues with depression and anxiety and uh and just not accepting that like uh not accepting that you're you need outside help well but at 16 i don't know if you can recognize that that's true yeah that is a lot to ask of a 16 year old (laughs) i suppose but but you know what was um what were like your friends encouraging you to do all that like what pushed you to be that kind of a person oh i went into it completely myself (laughs) i saw a a group of people that i wanted to be like and i Mm -hmm. wanted to be a part of and uh i went uh, along with everything i was fascinated with the kind of drug culture and uh like punk outside society like rejecting uh the status quo yeah and that all had a really powerful draw for me, yeah. you know, especially with the the time period. You know, I was a freshman in high school mm-hmm. on uh, 9-11. And so yeah. that was kind of all of us in our adolescence uh, mm-hmm. growing into this increasingly uh, police state that had already existed for a lot of Americans and was just drilled down onto everybody. Yeah. You know, everything changed in the way the people are governed. And that kind of shapes the way you view the world and what hope you have. Yeah. Like, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that's changed now that I'm entering my 30s is uh, the I'm getting the hope back. Because <laughs> mm. it just has felt like the world's been ending <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. And at some point, you got to get living and not just wait for the hammer to drop, you know? That is so true. I, it's funny that you said that because before getting help with my depression and all things I was coping with, I literally felt like an apocalypse was like around the corner. And then when I started getting help, it, that just sort of, I don't feel that anymore. Like I don't feel like tomorrow is going to be the last day. So it's interesting, yeah. like going through that. Yeah. It's a, a singular experience. It changes your perspective. Yeah. 
yeah. most definitely. Um, what was, so at 16, you start partying. Did you, uh, at that point experiment with drugs or what was, when was the first time you experimented with weed or like anything? I was, when I was 15 years old was the first time that I smoked weed Mm. and I sought it out. You know, actually my friends resisted wanting to have me try it for the first time. because they're like, Oh, you're too nice. Like you're too, (laughs) you're not, you're not like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it was also a bit of the, like, you know, we are different than you. And it was Mm. an othering aspect Mm. that obviously is not nothing malicious or intentional yeah. on anybody's part, but just the way these, uh, adolescent relationships can play out. For real, yeah. Can get you onto some bad paths, especially if you have a, you know, a genetic predisposition, you know, it all builds like yeah. it's nature and nurture together that, uh, you kind of have to manage with to try to live a healthy life. Yeah. So what did they were, uh, discouraging from you doing it. So did you do it by yourself or what, how did <laughs> I talk them into it? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I talked them into, to giving me some to try for the first time and I loved it. You know, and it <laughs> was the, that release of anxiety. Yeah. And, uh, and actually that it's, it's interesting how this all can kind of be intertwined. Like none of it is a, a direct explanation or excuse, but just, you know, the broader society can have an impact on a micro level on, you know, a person's path and the way people deal with their mental health. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> are you sorry? I'm all heavy with this. <laughs> no, I'm like turning your show into like, cr- like a crying, like everything's awful. <laughs> no, it's not. We <laughs> Listen, we haven't finished the story yet. <laughs> That's true. You know, your That's story true. is still being told. Um, so <laughs> we're going to still keep crawling through the awful though. Oh yeah. Yeah. We can keep going through it. Um, when did you, uh, uh, a lot of what you have talked about is uh, anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. what was triggering that? I'm, you know, to this day, I'm not certain. Like I've, uh, I've discussed it in therapy and, uh, I haven't really gotten to the root cause of that. It's just kind of a general uh, alarm bell hmm. that's ringing in the background, and it's uh, you know cyclical thinking of well, mm. what could go wrong yeah. over and over again. Yeah, and uh, I think that uh, medication has been effective in helping me, you know, marijuana included. But mm-hmm. I also uh, have uh, other things from my psychiatrist. Yeah, I know my doctors are all aware of everything that I do. Yeah. When, uh, you know, previously in my life, I was not honest with my doctors at all. Oh, really? Yeah. And so just uh, getting all that on track and being honest with <laughs> myself and the people who are, you know, helping me take care of myself. Yeah. Has helped a lot. Yeah. Um, when would you say, so for you, was it like a spiraling or what, what happened? So like going into all yeah. of that? Well, I believe that what it really, uh, drilled it down was that a uh, cubicle that I was talking about. Oh yeah. Is yeah. uh I got to the point where I would uh wake up before work and uh my partner could tell I was awake because I would instantly start hyperventilating. No shit. And having a panic attack wow. every morning. Wow. And one day I just couldn't do it and I called my boss and I said, you know, I'm I'm not coming in. I had, you know, mentioned the struggle to her before, but she kind of just hand waved it, basically offered, uh, offered me overtime 
so I could spend more time at work. What? Yeah, because if the workload's bothering you, then you know I'll approve more I'll overtime. I'll just pay you more. So you You'll can be get good on top of it. Yeah, exactly. And so I just quit one day, flat out, no notice, and uh, I was unemployed for a long time and mm. uh, pulled back. And uh, like myself, like a lot of other people who suffer from depression, uh, a symptom of it is you start withdrawing from your support systems and your mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. because of the, those feelings of worthlessness. You feel like a burden to them. Yeah. And that's definitely how I felt when I had uh, given that job up because I wasn't taking care of my mental health. I was drinking every day and uh, having a really poor diet and doing work that I hated. I disagreed with the financial model of the company I was working for. And so it was just bad on top of bad. Yeah, yeah. And uh, How long were you without a job? uh, I was unemployed for almost two years. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I'm lucky enough that uh, through... You know, unemployment and okay. uh, my family, I was able to squeak by yeah. and uh, living during that time. And I'm so grateful to my family for that. And yeah. I know how lucky I am to yeah. have gone through that. Yeah. But it just uh, resulted in me pulling back and uh, feeling like a burden. You think the best thing for the people you care about is to not have you around. And that's what I tried to do. You know, I tried to just disappear and pull back and not let anybody uh, tell me ways I could improve things. Yeah. I just w- didn't want to listen, wouldn't pick up the phone for days, wouldn't leave the house for days. Wow. And uh, it got to the point where I was uh, still drinking every day, yeah. the cheapest liquor that I could find. Yeah. And that's when I uh, started having symptoms because I had become physically dependent on it. Mm. And a lot of people are uh, unaware that one of the things that happens when you go through withdrawal from alcohol is that you can have seizures. And that's what happened to me. Wow. Yeah. When I was on a camping trip for a dear friend's uh, honeymoon, I had a seizure in the middle of the woods and they had to helicopter me out. At this point I was unemployed, no insurance and, you know, flown out of the mountains in Malibu at the bill I could never afford. Wow. And, uh, woke up in the hospital, you know, or actually I woke up to, uh, my friend, uh, her wife, Uh, looking over me and she was thankfully a nurse Mm. and she gave me all the questions you know uh, what's your name where are you do you know what day it is and uh, I have hazy memories of being flown in the helicopter the only time I've ever been in a helicopter and I barely (laughs) remember it Uh, (laughs) I was in a helicopter but yeah exactly Um, not a great ride I remember the pilot was cute (laughs) <laughs> Which is an odd thing to remember in that in that context, pilot. right? Yeah, yeah. She was really everybody was really nice, <laughs> but that was just the the wake up call for me. Is having yeah. those extreme symptoms, and it was you know, hurting my relationships with my family. Yeah. And uh, I had actually stopped uh, using marijuana at that time Mm -hmm. because I was so desperately job hunting Mm -hmm. that I couldn't risk, you know, not passing a drug screening because I absolutely needed the money. And so I started medicating with alcohol as opposed to helping my mental health with marijuana. Yeah. And that's the path that it led me down. Yeah. 
and it's uh, I'm really glad that it's now legalized in California <laughs> and it's much more accessible for people to use yeah. as an alternative to lots of medications with side effects that are completely unnecessary with marijuana as an option. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been helping me with the side effects of when I'm taking Lexapro. Uh, yeah. It yeah. counteracts those side effects, which fucking sucks because like i don't want to have to like i just want marijuana to be like my marijuana but i don't know i guess it's, it's to help with shit yeah, but. i know exactly what you mean <laughs> i wish i could just have just the weed too and i <laughs> tried that for a while but eventually you know, my therapist referred me to a psychiatrist and uh speaking to them about my symptoms they uh prescribed me an antidepressant and uh, it has honestly changed my life mm. like it has it turns the volume down yeah which on one my anxiety lexapro okay oh yeah okay yeah it has been it has been really good for me yeah yeah and uh it just helps those uh kind of extreme emotional reactions mm -hmm. that you know it used to be that if a, an artist that i like uh you know passed away or had something bad happen to them i would be out of commission as in not answering the phone and not like talking to anybody wow. i would completely break down yeah and uh just that level of raw nerve yeah is unsustainable yeah. and i really feel like the the medication has helped me get past all of that yeah and just turn the volume down on the some of the harder parts of life yeah you know? and it's not a not a magic button <laughs> you know it still takes work and introspection and uh self-examination yeah and it's it's hard and i certainly don't have all the answers or any of them for all i know you have a lot of I'm, answers uh, though <laughs> yeah i have a lot of answers whether they're useful <laughs> is the question <laughs> but you know i'm just out here doing my best i'm keeping on keeping on and keep that's on. all you can really hope for yeah i mean yeah absolutely uh yeah i keep pushing forward um what would you say in your experience of all, so as far as time frame, what was the, what was that time? Like when you, the, like the, um, the helicopter, when did that happen? A helicopter ride was about four years ago now. Four years ago. That's still yeah. not long ago. Yeah. It's still really, really soon. You know, uh, I think, you know, we met at our, uh, our previous, uh, place of work, <laughs> which I'll remain nameless. <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, that was kind of the first step in rebuilding, you know, yeah. that was the first job I got, uh, out of that. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it was not great. And we've both moved on to uh, hopefully better things. Bigger, better things. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I'm just rebuilding. Yeah. And I have my art. And I've uh, reached a point where I am not tying my self-worth to what I do for a living. Mm. And that was a, a big hurdle to get over because I had the, a big dream, my studying journalism in school, that mm. I wanted to be an investigative journalist and mm. change the world and, you know, go on tour with all my favorite bands <laughs> and like all these, you know, kind of pie in the sky things. Yeah. And uh, that... Uh, never really working out was uh, a big weight on me for a long time that uh, my career during journalism didn't work out. Yeah. And uh, just over this uh, past couple of years, focusing on my art and then just having the, the money be the money, like you just learn the job, do Dude, the job, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. And uh, it's been very fulfilling. <laughs> you know, it's been helpful in, in developing, kind of getting my feet solid on the ground again yeah it's like 
I hate to admit it, it is helpful, but at the same time, it's like, I think for me personally, I can only do it for so long before I need to change it up again. Like I could only do that day job for a t- like for a period of time until like, cause it, it does if, for me, like I just have to all, like I want, I just at, at work all day, like thinking of, I pictured myself like. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And my guitar. Like, I'm just... Just thinking about all the things I want to do and like having that thought all day long will eventually just like slowly at some point drag me down. So like I want I've like I've I've gotten to the point where I've separated like it's money, it's a day job and then do the art at night. But it's still it's just like it's always going to be like a matter of time for me. Definitely. And that's uh, that's obviously the goal. You know, it's the dream. (laughs) It's the absolute dream. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm a baby artist compared to you. You're established, like, you play shows, you do all this really awesome stuff. <laughs> I mean, you got to start somewhere, but you I have, have some an dope Instagram. Shit. You, hey, you, that's a good start. I mean, without that. Uh, and actually, I have a Redbubble account where you can buy some uh, stuff. Oh, yeah. And I can get, like, a cup of coffee or something if you buy a T-shirt. So. Ooh. Oh, we'll, we'll plug your shit. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll plug your shit. We won't forget about that. 
Ah, okay. So this week on repeat, we've got Easy Lover um, by Philip Bailey uh, with Phil Collins. Uh, the, the guitar in this song is, I mean, this whole song is dope, but I really feel drawn to that guitar. Um, the Oscars just happened, and uh, I'm bringing it up because I don't really watch, uh, but I, my favorite moment uh, was when a Spike Lee jumped on on Samuel L. Jackson uh, when he won uh, his award. Uh, I thought that was cute. <laughs> uh, I was really happy for him. Um, <laughs> but so I I have been thinking about uh, this show High Hopes a lot and uh, like where I want to take it or what to do with it and um, I don't know I don't I I need to find a purpose like right now i just don't know why i'm doing it so i need to figure that out like why am i doing it and then figure out um if i want to continue or what i want to look like uh you know what i'm saying that so that's where i'm at with this show uh i don't have a whole lot of engagement so i don't know how y'all feel about anything because y'all won't talk to me um online or uh through reviews so you know maybe that's why i'm at this moment where i'm like what do i do with this show uh because i know it's beneficial but for me i don't know how it's benefiting uh (laughs) so that's where i'm at um if you want to listen to everything else i've been playing on repeat then follow me on apple music at cool black chick and uh live long and slay (laughs) bye to know i guess when you were at your lowest point and maybe describe what that was or what it felt like or yeah what was going on at your the lowest lowest point and then we'll get to your highest highest point okay okay well the probably the absolute lowest point was uh when i i got sick when uh, during the time where I was uh, drinking a lot of hard liquor every day, I got sick to the point where I couldn't have any. I couldn't keep any of it down. Damn. And so that is uh, what triggered me going into withdrawal. And uh, the way that that started was uh, uh, hearing voices. Mm. I had uh, been awake for two or three days. So that's another uh, like uh, alcohol withdrawal is a nightmare. Like seriously, people should be much more afraid of the amount that they drink and what people joke about these days. So you were he- were they your voices that you were hearing? Uh, no, they felt completely external to me, and it was only that uh, you know I knew that they weren't real. 
you know, that at least uh, I wasn't that far gone. Yeah. But I was hearing voices that were taunting me and like. Uh, what were I, they saying? They were claiming to be demons. And uh, I'm an atheist and I don't believe in demons. Yeah. And uh, I kind of put up with that for a few days and visual hallucinations started in and uh, I ended up in the ER. And uh, I was almost put on a 5150 hold. What is that? Uh, that is where they uh, keep you for supervision for 72 hours because they're concerned that you're a threat to yourself or others. Damn. That's uh, what they do for you know, uh, schizophrenics who are unfortunately off their meds and having an episode. Uh, it's not uncommon to, for them to be put on a hold like that and uh, just be observed until they're not a danger anymore. Yeah. And I was this close, like super, super close to getting put on that. Wow. Just from alcohol withdrawal. Like I have no underlying conditions that uh, that would cause auditory or visual hallucinations yeah. like I was experiencing. It was just booze. It was all legal. It was stuff <laughs> I, I mean, could yeah. <laughs> buy at the pharmacy. And I was hearing demons and seeing things. What was your relationship with your family or the people in your life at that time? Uh, my family has always been incredibly supportive and I've met your family. You have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You came to the barbecue. Hi, yeah, John's mom are. and dad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they are fantastic people and have always been incredibly supportive of me. And, uh, I was cutting them out for that reason in that I felt because they were, oh, uh, like helping bad. me, mm -hmm. helping me live at that point. Cause I wasn't working. I felt completely guilty that I was spending their money and not doing anything with myself. And it was just uh, a spiral of, uh, you know, self-loathing. And then, uh, you do anything you can to block out the self-loathing yeah. <laughs> and it's a self-perpetuating cycle. And it ended in me in the ER for, uh, the, third or fourth time that year Whoa. pretty much all for alcohol related uh stuff did they was at were i mean i imagine your parents were telling you to not do these things or like trying to get you on the right exactly yeah they were encouraging me not to i was uh largely hiding how much i drank from them oh. you know i just wouldn't visit them very often and i would uh you know never be on the phone after 6 p.m because they could tell in my voice and I uh, remembered that uh, you know it's been an, an issue with some of my family members as well unfortunately mm. and so I felt like I would just be a rehashing kind of old hurt for them and so I hid that pain yeah and just didn't talk about it yeah. to anybody about how depressed I was how worthless I felt you know I just completely internalized all of it so they basically found out with you ended up in the hospital? Exactly. Okay. They had no idea, you know, what I was doing to myself until they got the call that I had had a seizure. Yeah. Was there like any in intervention? The I feel like you had like you must have gone through some like intervention or something. Uh, no, no, no. The the well, the intervention was uh, me laying in a ER bed <laughs> surrounded by my family and just thinking that. Like, I love these people so much and I cannot believe I did this to them. Wow. And that just shocked me. And I did, you know, the um, mom and dad's rehab. I moved in with my parents yeah. for a month or so to dry out. And, uh, you know, I got medication to aid with the withdrawal. Uh, if you are drinking this heavily, 
you need to go to the doctor to get help with that. Because if you stop immediately, it will go very badly for you. For anyone who's listening. uh, At what point? Like what? How will you know that is too much? I mean, like, I don't. Uh, The good sign is if uh, your hands are shaking during the day, if you're drinking every day. And uh, you'll start exhibiting uh, symptoms of alcohol withdrawal. Actually, uh, a hangover is essentially uh, alcohol withdrawal, but not uh, as extreme a level as if you had been drinking heavily for two or three months every day. And uh, actually, the nurse in the ER told me that they had a specific phrase for like the Labor Day seizures. Oh, and it was because uh, people would be going so much harder over their three day weekend yeah. that they would drink enough that when they stopped suddenly for Tuesday, they would drop at work. And this is something that was being discussed by medical professionals around me as a common occurrence. Wow. And it's just not talked about because there's so much shame associated with it. And it's so ingrained in our culture, you know, being able to hold your booze is considered a very commendable thing. (laughs) But the people who can hold their booze have a high tolerance to it because they drink it a lot. Right. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's so fucked up how like everything is so backwards and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And uh, I always lean towards a Bill Hicks interpretation of the uh, drug laws in this country and that it's caffeine and nicotine from Monday to Friday to keep you alert and ready to work and produce for them. And mm-hmm. then beer Friday through Sunday to keep you dumb enough to not recognize the box you're trapped in. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, preach, right? Like, for real. Yeah, definitely. And that's, uh, and going back to the stories, that yeah. was you know, my wake-up call with my family. And that uh, I just couldn't keep doing that to them. And so if I uh, couldn't live for myself, if I didn't feel that level of value inherently, mm-hmm. then I could do it for them. And it was pivotal to me turning my life around and you know, getting productive again and being financially independent. Yeah. And, uh, it's, and I'm still not quite completely there. But I'm uh, through the support of my friends and family, you know, we're all able to help take care of each other, yeah. you know, in all the ways that we can. That's beautiful. Thank you. I consider myself very lucky <laughs> with how all this craziness ended up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm in a very good place. Absolutely. So um, after your uh, two years without a job, what was the... Um, uh, uh, what led you to the next job or the next career? Or what, was that the part of getting you up or, or start the, starting that climb up, I guess? I think it was. Okay. You know, when I uh, found the first job after all of that craziness, it just kind of, uh, it helped solidify my confidence again. Yeah. That I had gone so long without uh, being able to be productive and not, you know, creating or doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I had no outlet and I was just kind of uh, stagnating. But uh, once I got that job and I was able to, you know, learn uh, multiple new things and kind of the, the intricate rules of our former workplace and navigating all of that uh, just helped me realize that, you know, I'm, not half bad. You know, I'm a pretty <laughs> smart guy, all, all things considered. 
And uh, I should just try to trust myself more and mm. take the chance and do the work. I trust you, man. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I trust you, too. <laughs> so um, the where we met is that... Uh, that was the first. Oh, okay. Was, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was the first thing. You know, I had helped out some uh, uh, family members in temporary jobs and, like, uh, family friends. Oh. But in terms of going out there completely myself, finding the place and getting the job and doing yeah. the work, uh, that was the first thing mm. where... You know, my mind couldn't latch on to the, you don't really deserve this. You didn't really earn mm. this because, you know, you have help from your friends or your yeah. family. Yeah. And that's helped boost my confidence into taking this next step <laughs> that yeah. I'm going into now. So I'm pretty psyched. When did you, so you get the job, um, were you in therapy before then or uh, when I did was, you get I was, yeah, through uh, uh, my family's help, I had... Uh, had it such a bear of trying to find a therapist in the first place without insurance because most of the cheap insurance doesn't cover it and out of pocket it is uh, insurmountable to somebody who isn't working yeah and I had uh, gotten to the point where my uh, family had heard about what had been going on with me and that I needed help I have a, a family member who is a therapist oh. and she actually just gave me a lump of money mm. to go to therapy. Oh man. And I'm so incredibly grateful to her for yeah. that and you know, loved her before, but she <laughs> is so, so incredible. Yeah. And so I was able to kind of take a step back and examine uh, the way I had been thinking about myself and my emotions and where all of that's coming from in a way that I had been unable to pick out before. Yeah. You know, the conversations that I had, uh, had some really insightful things to say. Like when I was, uh, describing my, my need to be liked, like I really like approval. I like, uh, people laughing at my jokes. I like people smiling back at me. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I never wanted to uh, let anybody down or have anybody feel anything negative associated with me at all. And my uh, therapist told me that uh, I was trying not to be a human being. (laughs) (laughs) She said, Jonathan, uh, you're a human being who is going to have negative emotions and you need to let yourself feel those and process those rather than just ignoring them or brushing them away. Yeah. And uh, you need to look at the dynamics of the way you grew up and how that affects the way you view the world and the way you view the way you fit into the world. Mm. Because I think a lot of the way that uh, many of us act is kind of our family unit writ large. Mm -hmm. And it shapes, you know, who we want to be and how we want to be perceived by other people. Yeah. And that was definitely true for me that, yeah. that, uh, you know, wanting to be, wanting to be good, wanting like the, the praise in whatever way and, uh, pulling away from that and making my own decisions and being like, you know what? I drew this, uh, like equivalent of a crayon drawing <laughs> of the Zodiac killer. And I'm going to put that <laughs> on the internet and see if anybody likes it. <laughs> And if they don't, that's fine too, because yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a big part of the the art that I put up. Is <laughs> I, I really try not to think about if anybody else will like it or if uh, 
you know, it'll get a positive response. Yeah. I'm just trying to let it all pour out of my head. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. All right. So you have all that. We're here right now. All that shit you've gone through. What was uh, the from from that point, from the lowest point to now, what was your highest point? Probably my highest point has been accepting a better job than the one <laughs> where I built up all that confidence. Ah, that And uh, when did this happen? Uh, this happened last week. Yay. <laughs> and I'm super excited about it. That's so cool. Uh, yeah. Pause due to connection. Pause. Oh, we're back. But yeah, uh, I was just feeling confident enough to reach out for a job that I wasn't sure about uh, being able to do and, you know, moving away from where I'd been established and where mm-hmm. I know how to do everything to being the new guy again. <laughs> and as somebody with a pathological need to be liked and <laughs> do all the right things, that's a scary thing, but it was the right move for me. Yeah. And uh, involves putting a lot of trust in myself and uh, now I've taken this leap and you know, who knows how it'll work out. I'm pretty optimistic. And uh, yeah, so I'm coming off a great high right now. Yeah. While I'm on high hopes <laughs> with my homie Marcella. Yeah. <laughs> So, so cool. glad. So I mean, this is a great story. Me. Oh, I'm glad. Such I'm glad. A great story. You know, I was uh, I was talking to my partner about how uh, I feel like I'm so boring compared to the other people you've had on your show, and then uh, I gave like a little elevator pitch of it to her, and she's like, "You need to say that aloud again." You're <laughs> <laughs> like, "You have a story to tell. You can tell it, <laughs> dude." I mean, that's everything you said is super powerful. Um, I the show wouldn't be what it is without the story and all the other stories that came before it. So I appreciate you having the courage to come and tell it. Oh, and I so appreciate you giving me this outlet. Like it is, <laughs> uh, it's really liberating because of uh, again, you know, there's societal shame and like yeah. uh, I think that uh, radical openness is something that is helpful to all of us mm-hmm. that if we can talk about what we're all going through, we can at least realize that we're not alone. Yes. That it's not just us. Yes. We're not broken. Yes. There's lots of wrong in this world and there's sometimes you just got dealt a bad hand genetically and yeah. you just have a, a trouble with the serotonin and dopamine production <laughs> and you need a little help with that. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the important thing is being able to talk about it without shame and being able to seek out the help you need without being afraid. Yeah. And that's why I'm uh, trying to be just open about this experience. Like anybody who will ask about it, I will uh, tell them straight up all of the nitty gritty details of my mental health struggles and, you know, trying to get back on solid footing. Hey, it sounds like that could be something you can lean into, you know, like, like, you know, that's true. I, that's something that I've thought about, but that's a that's a stereotype in uh, <laughs> oh, in the, yeah in the people uh, you know getting over addiction circles. That oh, it's really? Like, that everybody immediately wants to become an addiction counselor. Oh, and never immediately mind. wants to. <laughs> never mind. Don't 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 be cliche. But maybe maybe I can or like in your art somehow and be like 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something I do uh, explore in some of my art pieces. Yeah. Just like kind of abstract representations of the feelings yeah. of uh, anxiety and depression. and uh, That right there. You know, because uh, depression is not only, you know, feeling low. It's also feeling nothing when it really gets down to it. Yeah. When you're in the deep, you just don't care about anything. Mm-hmm. And so you don't do anything and that just sinks you deeper. And, you know, we need to <laughs> empower each other. And <laughs> I know, you know, <laughs> I know, you know, but we need to you know, work to empower each other to be able to seek help and support because we can't do it alone. Yeah. Damn. I like that. Trying Thank to you. build a, Thank build you. a community. You know, that's what it sounds like. Like some very cool, like open community of people that are just like sharing this experience a hundred percent i want to do that you know i want to uh start going to a few more art events in la like i kind of dropped off uh, i used to go there just as a visitor you know i wasn't making art at that point but uh i was just looking at all the amazing things that so many artists in la are yeah. putting out and uh i think i want to reach out and just you know be a part of that and kind of help yeah. lift up the art community in the city and just like uh make it more accepting and yeah. you know kind of open up the discussions that uh, we need to have yeah. about taking care of each other absolutely and i think art is a great way to foster that kind of discussion yeah because it's about uh, the universal human experiences and evoking a response and whatever kind of art you do um <laughs> you said so one of the reasons why i think you're a cool dude when you said universal experiences is like you're very aware of other people's experiences and what people go like you're super you're hyper you're one like as far as all the white people i've met in my entire life you were like on the top as far as people being like very aware and like just acknowledging you know the things that happen and not being like well can you explain that to me like yeah and i and i it's exhausting. <laughs> I know, I'm telling you, but yeah, it's, uh, but it's so important. You know, I grew up in uh, one of the most diverse neighborhoods in Los Angeles and, uh, I, you know, just in the communities I've been a part of, uh, I've never been until I was in college. I was never in a majority white community. And so, mm. uh, just other people's experiences has just been my life. Like yeah. I've just been aware and uh, I kind of started with the uh, the Bush administration uh, and all the people getting angry about that and yelling things. So I was like, well, that's messed up, you know, and my political awareness really grew yeah. uh, out of all of that, out of the insane response to uh, current events when I was coming of age. Yeah. And so it's important to. Uh, focus on these larger overarching things that influence the interactions we have every day. Absolutely. And so I actually, uh, I was considering uh, doing my minor in uh, gender studies and uh, I took lots of uh, uh, courses, you know, in that nature, social justice themes. And I was a part of a few uh, student organizations uh, doing demonstrations and raising awareness about stuff like that. And uh, it's, it's something that I honestly I've dropped off with. My mental health struggles kind of took you over. You gotta take care of yourself. Yeah. But uh, I really want to just join the voices that are out here talking about the things that need to change. That's tight. So he is 
uh, an artist and an ally. Arguably. <laughs> <laughs> John, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, um, thank you, Marcel. I've had a great some time. Stuff. Plug, plug your stuff. Plug some oh, shit. Well, I have, uh, you can see my art page, uh, Hill Ape Scrawlings on Instagram. Uh, I post uh, whenever I feel like it. Oh, yeah. It's uh, a Hill Ape, H-I-L-L-A-P-E, Scrawlings, S-C-R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S. <laughs> Marcella linked it. Marcella linked it. You can find it in, in the comment dealies. Spell it backwards now. But, uh, no. <laughs> but so you can check out my art there. I also have a Redbubble where I put out art prints and T-shirts and stickers and uh, uh, the T-shirts are all ethically sourced, and they seem, uh, that's uh, obviously you mentioned being very aware. <laughs> I'm trying to source any corporeal art I create in an, in an ethical way, at least to the best of my knowledge. It's almost impossible these days. Yeah, but That'll make it easy. But Redbubble, arguably ethical T-shirts. <laughs> Give it Yay. a shot. Um, and I'm your grandma, Sella Riley. Thanks for listening to another episode of High Hopes. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for listening to Dope Comedians. Subscribe now to access bonus episodes, clips, and audio. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and YouTube Podcasts. And follow us on social media at Dope Comedians. Until next time, live long and slay. Dope Comedians.